0: Welcome to the Awake Church podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. All right, great to be with you here today. And uh, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've been sharing for the last three, this is our fourth Uh, on this topic, what is truth? And so uh, after establishing really what it is over the last three weeks and uh, last week, I then began to apply what we know to be true, where we get truth from the sum of the word, which is truth by the Holy Spirit, who is a spirit of truth and through the Son of God, who is truth, doesn't just have some. We begin to apply truth to things in culture. Because you and I, as people who are following God and love Jesus, we still are in this world, and there's so many things that come at us and against us. And God wants you to be fully equipped and fully aware and walking in truth. As the Apostle John said, he wants us to walk in truth. Truth, as Jesus said, sets people free right? So it's a freeing thing, especially when it comes through love. Truth sets free. That's a beautiful thing. It might not be comfortable and in a moment, especially if you've been living a lie, and truth comes. It may not feel comfortable, that idea, that concept, that new way of thinking, that new way of living. But when it comes and we embrace it, it's freeing. I shared some about science and astronomy a couple of weeks ago. Also spoke some about identity and sexuality, which I want to talk a little bit more about today. You know, the best and highest way that we have to live is God's way. The best and highest way to live is the way that he created and designed and showed us how to live. It's also the very way that Satan hates. So anything God loves and designed and created, the enemy is always, it's his nature. He's a murderer from the beginning. He's the father of lies, the father of the Lord of the flies. He's the father of lies. And he twists and changes and deceives to the best of his ability and accuses. Everyone to take what God established, whatever God establishes, the enemy tries to take it, twist it, and present it to you. Try to get us to live a twisted life, rather than the one that is genuine and authentic and real and true and free. And you've heard me say this many times over the years, that when the enemy is talking, he's lying. Some people say that about lawyers. That's not true of all lawyers. <laughs> I've also heard it say of politicians. It's not true of all politicians, but it is true of the enemy. When he's speaking, he's lying. When he's whispering thoughts in your ear, he's lying. There are things that are not true in there. He may add an element, a grain of truth, but he's going to twist it. He even quoted partial scripture to Jesus, right? Then he twisted it. And we know that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 1 John 5 says that. The entire world system lies in the power of the evil one. So, so many systems in the world and so many um, cultural things that are fully accepted are not going to be true because we got the enemy behind that. It's not, again, people are not our enemy. A government is not our enemy. It's the enemy is our enemy. And he's a twister, but he is influencing the world system. That's how it works. Bible says that. But thankfully, there's truth, and truth can be found, known, walked in, believed. Thank you, Jesus. Truth is reality. God's reality. What he says is true, and we get to know it. God made attraction, beauty, love, marriage, sex. He made all these things beautiful. Incredibly powerful as well. And so the enemy just has, from the beginning, twisted all those things. And So we have throughout the scriptures, just talking about sexuality, just this one part here, and our sexual behavior, just that one element... You see, the because it's so powerful, God made it so powerful, even the fruit of it creating other people. Incredible, right there. One of the greatest miracles. So the enemy is always, has always been trying to twist sex into making it something and to using it in ways that were not intended by God. He's always doing that. So even way back in Leviticus, and they seem very pretty straightforward. Uh, With adultery, it's going to come with, and this again, we need to know the Lord's voice and be able to identify the enemy's voice as well. So that the Bible says that we need to be aware of his schemes, the wiles of the enemy, his methods, his methodology of how he gets to us. He comes with words. He comes with thoughts. And you can immediately know the difference between the Lord's voice and the enemy's voice. And the enemy is, when he's speaking, he's lying. He's been speaking all along. But he comes to someone saying, you know, these kind of thoughts. You know, my spouse, they're really not satisfying me. So I need to look elsewhere. Or I feel much more attracted or connected emotionally with this other person who's not my spouse. That feeling could come. So if that feeling comes, then maybe it's true that I should be connected with them, right? That's part of how that comes. Or I'm wanted by this other person more than my spouse wants me. So the enemy will use all those kind of thoughts to get you thinking about that. And then the emotions come in and then the action takes place, which turns into adultery. Regarding homosexuality, the enemy, boy, his lies work in a, a different way. And I, I just want to say, you know, I've had very, very close friends who have lived a homosexual lifestyle. And I have probably, uh, this is not an exaggeration, probably met personally with over two dozen people who have lived a homosexual lifestyle to some degree. And when I hear their stories and hearing them personally in my office or walking with them, my heart just, I I just want to cry. Because I've heard a similar story over and over and over and over and over again that doesn't get talked about. And it's nearly everyone that I know personally that I've walked through it with this kind of thing has been abused in some way as a child or a young person. That doesn't get talked about in main, mainstream anything for sure. And through that abuse, they started having these questions come to them. Denemy the started lying to them. Maybe, because there's a wound there, There's an abuse there, and all of a sudden, there's a twist of thinking related to morality and related to what's right and what's wrong and related to sexuality. And there can be then this thought, maybe I'm gay. Maybe I, you know, and all these questions come. Well, nowadays, of course, you can fast forward that, and there's not even abuse that's needed because the culture is saying you need to be asking that question when you're young. Maybe I'm gay. And then explore and see and figure it out. So that's where the culture has gone. But just because there might be a feeling there or an attraction doesn't make something true. I have a friend who was abused, same story. Um, It gets shoved down, doesn't get talked about because the abuse is a father or an uncle or a friend or a neighbor. And some of my friends, it was their neighbor kids, sexually abusing them. Next thing you know, the twist, the other thoughts come in, and then the exploration in this area. And also a dark presence. One of my friends said, you know, there's this wherever I go now, I feel like there's someone pursuing me. There's a, a gay guy trying to connect with me, and I could feel this, this pull. And when he gave into it, he said, It's just it's much easier just to give into it. That's what he told me. It's just too hard to fight that thing. So so I gave in. Another friend of mine uh, lived a homosexual lifestyle. Then he met Jesus, and when Jesus revealed to him, started to show him something, started to see the wounds in his past, and he started getting healed of these wounds, and able to forgive, the Lord started giving him different feelings and different attractions. He's now married to a woman. They have three or four kids. I forget how many they have now. At least three kids. He's written a book. I may have him here one day. But really healthy and whole and not marked by the wound of his past and then the twisting of thoughts to live this other lifestyle, which he, man, he said there was no happiness in it. There was no satisfaction in it. I was miserable. That's because when we live, regardless of how it happens and we get there, when we live in a way that is opposite of the way God designed, we are never really happy. You're never really satisfied. You're really never at peace. You're not whole. And there's a shame and there's a, all kind of things that go with it. God wants everyone free. He wants everyone free. He loves everyone. Sometimes it's a process to get that freedom, whether it's an addiction to something, whether it's alcohol or drugs or an addiction to sexual things or a homosexuality or adultery or whatever it is. man. We love all those people. Some of those people are us, right? We love them, and God wants them to be free. He wants them to be whole, healed up on the inside so we can embrace His truth, walk in His truth, and live free. And I know, too, when you speak about this, when I talk about this, it's always difficult, in part because of where we are as a society. But also in part, there are people, when I say particular homosexuality, there's a name that comes to your mind because we all know people. And we love these people. And we feel and have compassion for what they're going through. It's just difficult. At the same time, man, if if someone is not living their highest and best that God desires, I want them to be free. So I love them enough to share with them what is true, and also want to provide, there's a way. Just like my friend, you can be free. And then there are others who might say, you know, the scripture I just read, Leviticus, that's Old Testament. You know, the law is done away with. Jesus fulfilled the law, which is true, he did fulfill the law. But you realize that there are different elements of the law. You have the sacrificial ceremonial system, in the law, and you have the morality, the moral part of the law. And it's true, Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial part of the law. We don't, you and I are not sacrificing animals every week anymore, right? For our sin, Jesus one time, thank you, God. This is a really good one, isn't it? One time was a sacrifice for all time for our sin. So the ceremonial part of the law, he not only fulfilled, but then it was done away with. The moral side of the law Jesus paid for the price of all that sin, but he didn't do away with morality. The moral part of the law, how we conduct ourselves sexually, still remains intact. In fact, not only is it intact, but you find in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus actually takes the bar and raises it. He does. Here's what he says. He says, now, you know, he said, you've heard that it's said you shouldn't commit adultery. But he said... You know, if you're looking at a woman with lust for her, you're imagining yourself sleeping with her, in your heart, you are committing adultery. So it's not just the physical act, it's what's going on on the inside, in the heart, and in the mind. So Jesus doesn't say, you know, I fulfilled the morality, so it's done away with, just live any way way you want to. Everything's okay. That's not how that works. The moral... Side of the law remains intact and actually elevated because God is interested in our heart and he wants us all, 100%, mind, body, heart, soul, in every way. And he wants us to be holy as he is holy. To embrace his design, his creativity, and what he has. Then we go to the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Paul is speaking, sharing on this, not just sexuality, he's going to name a few other things in here. But he says, don't be deceived. Do not be deceived. That's important. If someone says, don't be deceived, that means there's what? Probably some deception related to everything I'm about to say. So he says, don't be deceived. And Paul is this pastor, basically. He's he's an apostle, but he has a love for his churches that he's planted. The Corinthians are one of them. It says, don't be deceived. Don't believe this lie, in other words. Neither fornication. <laughs> yes. Neither fornication, which is sex, any sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman. It's that simple. Having sex if you're not married is fornication. You might really love each other. Guess what? It's still fornication. You might be engaged to be married. Guess what? It's still fornication. I, I've heard over the years, many, many, many things. Yeah, but we're going to get married. Yeah, but you're not. You know, I'm going to turn 60 one day, but I'm not there yet. <laughs> fornication, any sex outside of marriage, nor idolaters, making an idol out of anything but God. We can make idols out of everything, money, sports, careers celebrities, you know, it goes on and on. Anything could become an idol. Then he brings in another sexual type thing, adulterers, which goes back to Leviticus as well. Nor adulterers, nor sexually immoral, which can cover a whole bunch of things. Can cover a whole lot of things in there. Sexually, anything outside of sex between a man and a woman in marriage. Nor homosexuals. That's also listed here. Again, back to Leviticus, it's a similar carrying out of this moral law that continues that homosexuality is not God's highest and best, nor thieves, anybody in the habit of stealing. He puts it all together and they say, these are things that people are deceived in. It's okay to steal your taxes because, you know, the government makes too much anyway, so I'm going I'm to fudge this on my taxes. So I, that's stealing, Stealing from companies. I've heard those excuses as well. You know, well, my company's making so much money, they're not going to miss it. Well, that's stealing. We can't be doing that. We shouldn't be doing that. Or the covetous, wanting, having a habit of wanting what other people have in our heart. Again, it's heart level. Coveting is heart level, wanting what someone else has. Or drunkards addicted to alcohol. Or revilers, which is people who use words as weapons to abuse, insult, humiliate, intimidate, or slander other people. Or swindlers, we know what that is. And it says all of those, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. A lifestyle of any of these areas, several of them sexual, others are not sexual, a lifestyle of those things. I'm not talking about a one-time thing with, you know, taking something. I remember (laughs) when I was on the polygraph. I had to take polygraph before I was working for the agency, and uh, I was on there for four hours straight. It was awful. And they asked me that question, have you ever stolen anything? The only thing that came to mind was when I stole a Sprite from Wendy's when I worked there, because it was a cute girl who wanted a drink, and I I gave that to her. That's the only thing I could think of. And he definitely thought I was lying. But I still stole. I took something that wasn't mine. I didn't pay for it. And I gave it to someone else. Stealing. But having a lifestyle of that means that Jesus is not Lord of my life. Of any of those issues. Fornication, adultery, homosexuality. It's saying... I am not associating myself fully with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who paid for my life, who has heaven awaiting me, who lives, wants to live in the inside of me. He is not my Lord, so I'm doing any one of these things. These are other habits of my life. And if these are other habits, that means not only is Lord, Jesus the Lord of my life, but it is an opportunity that I have to repent of it, to own it. Say, Lord, yeah, man, I have done this. I have thought this way. I have felt this way. I have done these things. I repent. I repent. I turn around from this direction I've been going, and I head your way, Lord. And there is tons of grace. Where sin abounds, what? Grace abounds more. Tons of grace. But we have to own it. We have to see it as for what it is, as sin. As missing the mark. And we need to get help from others. Some of these addictions, some of these being entrenched in different things, need people to walk with us to get free. Sometimes it's a process of getting free. And now, those scriptures I just read, Leviticus, 1 Corinthians 6, they're just two of several scriptures in the Old and New Testament. We can go through many, many more. I've, I've shared several times related to homosexuality, and I've had people each time usually come up to me, uh, and th- this has happened twice in a row, and they say, Matt, what are you talking about? It's not in the Bible. So, yes, it is so clear. It's so clear. I mean, and I'll give you a couple of references. You can know, look them up yourself. Romans chapter 1, Galatians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians 5 talks more about these things, which I don't, I'm not going to get into more. But one of the things that proves, I would say, that related to sexual living, God's way is right, Let's just look in the natural for a quick second to show that that's a right thing to do. I just read this week that one STD, sexually transmitted disease, syphilis, has increased 26% in our country in one year. STDs overall, from 2015 to 2019, increased 30%. Right now, throughout our nation, with the acceptance of everything sexual, however you, whatever you feel, you do it, whatever feels good, just have at it. And what's happening is we've got STDs going like this. They're going, and they're, some of them are really nasty. Uh, I've also counseled with a woman, met Jesus, wanted to get married. She carried an STD with her, walking through her, and her with her, and her um, future husband. And how to to move forward with this. Caring that's difficult. It's not easy. But how about this? You take a man and a woman who decide only to have sex with one another in marriage. You know how many STDs they're going to get? Zero. Zero. But you have sex any other way in all these other weird ways that are perverse, whether it's homosexuality or it's multiple partners or it's fornication with multiple partners. Guess what? You're opening the door for STDs as well. It's amazing to me. I love this way God made it. There's a protection in that. Not only is it free and beautiful and wonderful, and honestly, sex, as in marriage, over time, gets better and better. You've got one partner as you love each other, and that love grows and your hearts get more open to one another. Sex gets better throughout your life. In the world, multiple partners, love never really gets to grow all the way. With all these different kind of people, there's performance and all kind of stuff, and dissatisfaction, it cannot nearly be as good as a marriage. That's because God made it that way. And then the diseases, I mean, who wants those? So just one way that shows that the way that God did this, the way that he described this, the way that he designed this, is the right way. We've spent billions of dollars, and there will be many more billions spent I'm trying to come up with cures and medicines to fight sexually transmitted diseases. Where, if we did this God's way, we would have to spend zero on any of that. Isn't that amazing? Okay. And you know, this listening to the devil stuff and getting his ideas and implementing them started with Eve in the garden when she listened. And then she reached out and did, I mean, here she was made in the image of God. Made in the image of God. The enemy says, you will be like God if you eat this. She was already like God. So he lied to get her to do something. And that's the same type of thing that happens right now. Is you are male or female, and the, but the enemy says, if you really want to feel right, then you've got to do this. and so You've got to go outside of who you were made to be to try and do something different. And then you'll feel satisfied. Then you'll really know. You'll really have understanding. It's the same lie repackaged over and over and over and over again. It's how the enemy works. And I'm so thankful that God is not, and I am not, the Bible is not against people. It's the exact opposite. He's for people. I am for people. I'm for the very best and highest. I want everybody to succeed. God wants us to succeed. He wants us to live completely free. But he says there is a way to do this, and there are ways not to do this. We want to live his way. And there's spiritual truth. Let me jump to that. Let's get off the sexuality type stuff. There's spiritual truth that we have discovered, found, it's been revealed to us through the word, through the spirit of truth and through Jesus. J- Jesus said this in John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. This, along with many other scriptures, and the whole of the story from Genesis to Revelation, reveals that there are many spiritual beings out there. you realize that? There are a lot of small g gods. Spiritual beings, there are angels, there are demons, there are creatures that fly with eyes all over their bodies that we see described in Revelation. And who knows what else? There are other beings, but there is only one God. One ultimate true God. In three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So with that truth, also we see in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 5, it says, So about the eating of meat sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no idol in the world, and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there are so-called gods in heaven and on earth, There are, to be sure, many gods and many lords. Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, whom all things are and for whom we exist. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, whom, excuse me, through whom all things are and through whom we exist. That sounds, I mean, when you read these two, what Jesus said and what Paul says here to the Corinthians, it sounds like a very narrow mindset. One God, it is. It is. And again, culture, the world, the enemy, basically is presenting universalism. That every path leads to God. Doesn't that sound just flowery and wonderful? You can just choose whatever <laughs> whatever thing you want to do, whatever thing you want to pursue, whatever, whatever God, whatever religion, whatever feels good, whatever aura, whatever, whatever. Just go there and guess what? That path somehow Wanders around and it ends up in heaven, standing before the one true God. Guess what? That's a lie. It's a lie. It's a deception. I hate that thing. It's what the, the enemy is whispering that to keep you, to try and keep people from embracing the one true God, Jesus Christ, giving our life to him. So the enemy's lying and every other religion is a false religion. I got you have to say that, Right? Here's something else Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He said, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Few who find it. This is not going to be the majority of the world is going to find Jesus and walk in his ways because it's a narrow way. That means I'm, I've got to shed a lot of other things. And I've got to have eyes on him. And I'm going to listen to him. And I'm going to get truth from him and his word. Now, it's interesting. It's a narrow way, but I'm telling you what. It is, what's narrow to him is wide open and beautiful, spacious to us. Because it's freedom. He is freedom. Only one path leads to God. Jesus said that also. He said, no one can come to the Father but through me. No one can come to the Father but through me. He is the one way. I was in a country. Um, we were hiking through a jungle to get to a church on the side of a mountain. It was an amazing experience on the way there. I kept seeing These rocks they be about this tall with ribbons wrapped around them and little f- fake flowers and stuff planted around them and some are real flowers. And I kept seeing these things and I asked the guys I was with, I said, what are these things? They said, well, these are idols. These are rock gods. So people come along here and they'll worship this thing. You know, the Bible speaks of that. Um, Habakkuk 2 speaks of how crazy it is to worship something that God made, or that you formed with your hands, or that you carved, or that you formed with, you know, turned into a gold, whatever it is, or anything else. When we have the one true God who created everything and has displayed openly that he is the creator. Just taking a look at science, or a tree, or another person, or the beauty of a baby, or the miracle of life, you have to say, no, there, there's, yep, there's got to be God. I don't care what Someone is saying, there is is a true God. When Paul was in Athens, Greece, wandering around, he said to the leaders of the city in Acts 17, for while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Isn't that interesting? They had an altar set up to something they didn't know about to an unknown God. Paul says, therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him, we live and move and exist. And even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his children. There are so many good people who are just deceived in every religion. Man, I've met wonderful people, but they're just simply deceived. Have many friends, they're just, they're deceived. You were deceived once, Right? We all were at some point deceived. But Jesus, and so that's why we don't have a a hatred for anyone from any other religion, a hatred for anyone living in any way with any behavior that they have. No, that could be me. That was me. But I want them to know truth. I want them to be free. I want them to know the love of Jesus. I want them to be freed on the inside so they can live a life of freedom. Okay, let me take the last couple of minutes, switch gears a little bit more and talk just briefly about our role as those who are truth bearers that he has revealed to us. There's a scripture that is not talked about much. I want to read it here, see if this is familiar to you. It's 1 Timothy 3, 14. This is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, I'm writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long. Verse 15, but in case I'm delayed... I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Do you realize that the church, the worldwide living church of God, you and I are part of that, we are the pillar and the support of truth? It doesn't come through government, it doesn't come through education. That's it's the right education. But you and I, the living body of Christ is the pillar and the support or the foundation, some translations say. The foundation of truth. We're the ones who establish truth. That's one reason why Jesus said, I'm the light of the world while I'm in the world, but you're the light of the world. Because we are here to demonstrate, to proclaim, to live as a demonstration, the truth. So that people see it and that our light is not hidden under a bushel. So that people can see truth and when they see it, it can be attractive. They go, oh my God, I can shed these lies. I can flush all the lies I believed. I can flush the deception I've been in because I see truth and I see it lived out in you. That's why the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we live with moral excellence, people are watching, people are watching you. People are watching how you respond in different situations, how you respond uh, to political things, or how you respond to others. Do you steal? Do you cheat? Do you speak poorly of other people? Are we just as critical and just like the world? I mean, that's not light. We are the pillar and the support of truth. We're not supposed to be silent, quiet, or doormat for everyone to walk on. We're supposed to have a voice, but it's got to be a voice of love. I heard it once said that you can't drive a 10-ton truck of truth over a 5-ton bridge of trust and love. So you can't just plow through with truth. But as we love, we build a bridge for truth to travel on. As you build relationship with people, care about them, are giving, are generous then truth has a place to to go over and cross over and meet them in their heart. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, you know, we're not supposed to be a gong making lots of noise. The truth noise. Here's truth, here's truth, here's truth, here's truth. No, he said, ah, it doesn't work that way. We need to love. Let truth come, but we need to love people. That doesn't mean we agree with everything that they believe or any way that they are living, but I'm going to love them in the midst of it. And then truth can come at the right time in the right way. And you realize this too, this is good for us to always remember, the job description of a sinner is to sin. Right? So when I get angry about them sinning, That's weird. If they don't know truth and they're deceived and they're sinners, then is what they're going to do. They're going to sin. What this religious spirit can happen on the inside of me is me getting angry at a sinner sinning. Think about how weird that is. So I shouldn't expect a sinner to live righteously till they get converted and the veil is removed. The lenses from their eyes, they can see and then... They embrace Jesus, embrace truth, then you can have some expectations. And for one another in here, we want to expect that we're going to live the right way. There's where the expectations should be, not not on the sinners. Not on those who don't know God yet. Okay. Last week I mentioned a hero of mine, William Wilberforce. You can look him up in history. There's a great movie and book called Amazing Grace if you haven't seen it talks about his progression to getting to know God, and then for 40 years in Parliament in England, fighting the slave trade. And finally winning, just before he dies, they won, overturned it. England overturned the African slave trade, coming to their shores. And 30 years later or so, we went through a war, and that happened here as well. But I'm thankful for a man who loved God, who knew truth. And actually, the prime minister encouraged him to stay a parliamentarian and to fight this. I'm thankful he stayed in there as a believer. He saw that government wasn't the enemy, but he needed to be a part of it to make change. To bring justice, to do justice, to love mercy, walk with God humbly. We need people in every area of society to be followers of Jesus. Every area of society, as you and I are the pillar of the support of truth, we are supposed to insert ourselves into every area of society and not just hide away in a jungle somewhere where we're safe. And I have, um, I know many people have actually done that. They've, they moved to place where it was just them, just their community to get away from the world entirely. You know, Paul says, no, we're not supposed to get away from the world. We're supposed to get into the world, but not be of it. Let's bring light wherever we go. Let's bring love wherever we go. Then we can bring truth wherever we go. And God will use us, but let's not be afraid to go to dark places. In fact, let's look for dark places to jump in the middle of and be light. That's more the kingdom, right? Go into all the world. Go into all the world. Those are words of Jesus. Those are in red. Make disciples. Be light. Be love. See what great things happen. I've had the most, you know, the most fun in my life or when I step out and do something difficult that's against my nature to get into a place where the world is to give a prophetic word or to pray for someone for healing or to say something. It's amazing what happens because God is waiting for his church, his living body, his living, breathing body who represent him who are made in His image, who are filled with His Spirit, to go to places to be love and truth. And that's in workplaces, that's on vacation, that's being intentional as a missionary, locally, internationally, nationally. Who we were called to be. I'm so thankful for the Billy Grahams of the world, for the Ben Carsons of the world. So good at what they do. But then bringing the kingdom. I think of Dr. Ben Carson, high-level physician, surgeon. And also then getting into the political world, but bringing truth and bringing love and bringing light and life. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.